Hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of Determination, Deliberation, and Dragons. In today's episode, we workshop a story written by Mel. So, we're so excited to share her story with you in this workshop, and I hope that you enjoy. So Mel, tell us a little bit about your story. Just like summarize what we'll be workshopping. Okay. Fairy Child is a 10-page short story about a girl called Ren who always was really drawn to fairy tales and all of that kind of stuff. And then she's just living her life and she comes upon this thing and she's not really sure whether it's like a mutant or like a fantasy creature, or just like a really messed up dog. Um, but she finds it and she takes care of it, and that's all I'll say. Without any spoilers. Sounds good. Um, and then why why this particular story? I mean, obviously, like everyone wrote these stories because we're doing a podcast, and I told you all to write stories. But like, why do you choose to write this particular story? Okay, so the prompt was, write a story about a dragon. Now for me, that's a bit complicated, because I started my like writing career as a child, doing a lot of fantasy, and then I went to university, and I got terrible grades on everything fantasy that I wrote, so I went, maybe I'll just write about gay people, which is easier than writing about gay people and a magic system you have to make up. So, I've sort of stayed clear from fantasy for a while, but then it was like, write about a dragon and you were like it could just be like a sticker of a dragon and i was like no 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 no. there's gonna be a dragon i'm not gonna cuff out of this thing there's gonna be a dragon so i was like all right contemporary setting with the dragon how am i gonna do this and then i was like maybe the dragon's a metaphor maybe it's a metaphor for like loneliness because you know the pandemic affected everyone in different ways and i feel like loneliness just sort of became more normalized. So a story where someone encounters something fantastical, but then sort of it fulfills the role of like a therapy dog. That's what I was thinking about because (laughs) this is gonna be really random. But when the Puss in Boots movie came out, there was that little therapy dog and everyone was like, look at this little therapy dog. And I went, it's a therapy dog. What a good therapy dog. So then I had that in my brain, and I had loneliness in my brain, so I decided to make a dragon into a therapy dog for loneliness. That's really interesting, and definitely when I was reading through your story, I think, I mean, I've loved everyone's story so far, but I think yours is the biggest departure from, I think, your typical image of a dragon that we've gotten so far. I mean, it was really interesting reading about it, so it's, it's cool that you were thinking about that going into this. I feel like my style of writing is very different from everyone else that we've like read so far. I mean obviously that was all like proper fantasy in a fantasy world 
sometimes with people who knew that they were in a fantasy world but for me it was like I need to be able to write in a modern setting and then I want to say I worked on making it grounded but I feel like most of my stories are quite grounded in the world that they exist within um but yeah it was a lot slower because like the first story we read that was like a high speed chase did a heist and there was like 50 different characters not 50 like seven and mine was just like someone taking care of an animal for like five pages yeah i mean it was very different and i mean i love the groundedness in our world i think that's something that i try to do to or not try but like I definitely like as a kid I also imagined like writing these complex magical systems and everything and then ultimately like I don't write anything quite like that I still do fantasy but it's more based on our world but I love like the thing about your story is it does feel like very grounded and very slow but in a very like real and powerful way and I don't know if you've looked at my notes yet but I think your piece to me like there's always something interesting going on in stories and I think like Caitlin's story was very poetic Sammy's story Sammy's writing he usually does some interesting like visual things and he didn't do that so much in this story but your story felt very much like just looking at a like a a like a painting sort of that kind of represented just like feelings that I think we can all kind of relate to no, it's nothing like amazing and abstract, incredible, like otherworldly thing. It's just this really like wonderful look at stuff that I think we all can relate to and experience. So I, I thought it was a really cool story and I'm excited for you to share it with everyone. Okay, so let's get started with our workshop. So everyone came prepared. Who wants to share their glow and a grow first? I would say for a glow, I love how it starts. You have an introduction and you're kind of setting a scene um, with uh, Ren always loved fairy tales. I like that uh, first line. It's a good hook. Uh, And I love the description. I can really see so much of this story in my uh, brain pan. And I think it is getting at a really interesting theme. I think that for my grow, there were some parts that were very descriptive, but I'm not sure what intent they had for moving the story along. But I I did have a really clear mental image. And I think that there was a lot of humanity in the story, uh, especially, you know, when discussing how she was caring for the animal. I think that I'll leave it at that. Uh, yeah, so my, uh, I, I think that we're going to have a lot of similar uh, glows and grows for this, because I think that the upsides of this piece that uh, are, are fairly obvious, which is that the language is absolutely beautiful. I, I have to say, I, I think that uh, I, I have a professor who would have who would have gushed over this, but the um, yeah the 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 descriptions were quite eloquent and flowing. Yeah, I, there's there's not enough to be said. I felt like uh, I, this is maybe just my subjective experience, um, but based off a lot of the descriptions, did anyone else here like 
Grey's Anatomy end theme style songs playing in the back of their head? Am I the only one with that? Okay. But yeah, so the, if, if any of you are big Grey's Anatomy fans, like there, there's a very particular type of song that plays in those episodes. And to me, that was like the background music to all of these, to, to this entire piece. Uh, and uh, so my uh, grow was related to I guess I, I guess I really had two major ones, and if we have time to circle back to the second one at the end, like we sometimes do, um, I'll, I'll put forth the second one. I usually have two, uh, but my uh, my big one was sort of related to Caitlin's, which was I I felt that there was a, a bit of a pacing issue, which is that as of about page six, three things have happened, with ex- accepting the backstory, um, which I thought was excellent. Uh, is that the character has uh, found the dragon? She got, or sorry, the creature. Uh, apologies. Um, has found the creature, um, has taken it home, and has given it a bath. Um, and there are stories, uh, and that's about halfway through the story uh, at, at at about page six. That's six of eleven. So there are stories in which um, focus very strongly on interiority and on just like the characterization. Um, I'm imagining like a Chekhov story can have very little happen over the course of 11 pages. Um, uh, And so they don't always, not all short stories have to be plot focused and plot driven. However, they have to focus very, very strongly on that interiority and what it felt like the story was like leaning towards that in places it never really it never really felt like that moved along fast enough or forward enough to justify the fact of so little so few plot ele- uh, elements happening especially so early in the story it felt like it it, it felt like that created a, a drag on the story that was unnecessary so my like suge- there are like two different ways you can take the suggestion in my opinion there is you can uh, just shorten the whole piece, which is, you know, just like cut out um, large sections of it, uh, which would require getting rid of a lot of beautiful language, but that's just how it goes sometimes. That's cut and kill your darling situation. Or you can adapt it and change, because especially like the ending, which was my personal favorite part, uh, which brought up the, the character's uh, like uh, issues in her love life and and issues with finding connection uh, in, in a in a in a universe which is seems devoid suddenly devoid of wonder which re brought up that that opening which Caitlin and I both enjoyed which I felt like the ending connected well with the beginning which is part of what made it so strong uh, and those themes and those thoughts if those if they had been more present earlier on if they had been uh, uh, then it would have added an element of like. Because I and, and I think that part of what the piece is like is trying for is like a st- in establishing the setting and in using that language is is a, uh, a achieving a certain uh, color and a certain feeling which it is successfully doing to a point. But I want to see inside the character's head a little bit more to like map alongside that. Um, so that's like the so I think that you could still achieve the same which what I think it's going for. Um, my professor is always like you you have to critique a piece after what it's trying to achieve, not after what you want it to to be. Um, and I think that what it's trying to achieve can be achieved. I just need a little bit more interiority, a little bit more of the stuff that we get at the end. All of my notes in the last two pages are just like wow, this is really great. So, but yeah, the uh, so that's my sort of like convoluted stringing together of three things to make one grow at the end there that's i think that i have more to say but i'm 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 gonna leave it at that so that other people have the chance to talk 
Thank you, Andy. Um, I want to go because I, I want to just piggyback off of what Andy just said, because I think my blows and grows are kind of the same. I think it's so interesting that Andy mentioned this idea of this soundtrack in like the background, because and I've already talked to you about this. This piece to me feels like an art piece to a certain degree. Like I can just see like a painting kind of representing like what you did with this. And I can totally see like that that painting being on YouTube with like some epic soundtrack in the background too that like I listen to as I'm trying to like relax or uh, study or something. So I think that's that's an interesting combination and I think it's a really just beautiful piece. And my glow is basically kind of what Andy said where I think you do this wonderful thing of showing this character and her loneliness and disconnection but I think I kind of only got that towards the end of the piece. And I think there needs to be a little bit more, again, like what Andy was saying, getting in the character's head and really kind of exploring that idea throughout the piece a little bit more. So we really get that concept and we really get what that character is going through. But ultimately, like, I really love this piece. I think it was really good. And thank you for sharing it with us. Okay, so I pretty much have the kind of the same thing to say as everyone else has been saying. But so I really liked the imagery. I could see where I was all the time. I don't know. I, fe I felt like I don't very often see streets a lot when I'm reading. And I don't know, I thought you described like all of the streets very well. I, I saw the character walking in the streets. I, I don't know. That was just a specific thing that I really liked. Um, so I like the imagery. Um, I guess to say something that hasn't been said yet, I really liked how the roommates were each their own individual character, and you accomplished that in such a short time. And I don't know, I thought that was done very well. They had maybe a few bits of dialogue, but, you know, I could really tell who they were and I really liked them as characters too. They were very good characters. Um so the uh that would be for my glow. Um and then for my grow, uh pretty much I, I think it's pretty similar to what everyone's been saying. I I feel like it's a an issue with pacing at the end because I know you didn't have a lot of space, but I feel like uh once she starts talking to the, the creature about how I don't know, her bad days or, or her bad day and then um, how her life is not great. I feel like it just sort of comes very suddenly and out of nowhere um, because I get like what other people have been saying, like it hasn't been established very much throughout the, the rest before um, this has been happening. So I think... Either so, I guess what everyone has been saying, I would say add more about her feeling not uh, very connected with reality throughout, you know, earlier in the story. Also, maybe, maybe the fact that it was, I don't know, that the pacing felt off like it came out of nowhere was because the intro was really long without having any of uh, the disjointedness. And then it just sort of came out of nowhere. So I felt like maybe if you had the character 
start talking to the creature about um, not necessarily her really deep uh, sadness at first, maybe like more like, uh, I don't know, just asking it, how was your day um, or something like that. Um, maybe, and then slowly, gradually build up to her deep sadness and then also maybe put, you know, her, her worries in a little bit earlier on. I, th I thought that that maybe might help, but yeah, I really liked this story very, very well done. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, um, I apologize, listeners, I have a bit of fruit thing going on, sick, but bear with me. And yeah, thank you so much for sharing your story, Mel. I really enjoyed it, and I'm a sucker for imagery and just over-descriptiveness, so I didn't find it bogged down at all, but I also go in for that a lot. And I would say one thing I found a little bit of the description to be somewhat inconsistent for was the adorable magical creature that you introduced and part of it is that it's original we don't know what it is so you're describing something that doesn't exist in our world but i found some of the descriptions to be a little inconsistent as you were going throughout the story and i wasn't sure exactly what to picture it's described as a kangaroo towards the end but in the beginning it's like this kind of disgusting pink crying thing and it also doesn't seem to have any kind of self-preservation instinct. The, she picks it up and it's totally fine with it, which I also was a little bit surprised by that it didn't even react at all, even though it was sick or something. I'm not actually sure if it was sick or just abandoned or injured. It wasn't injured because it didn't have any wounds described. But um, just trying to picture it, I pictured something sort of repulsive in my head because it's like hairless and... <laughs> just like a pink blob that's sort of a mix between a bat and a ferret is how you described it. And um, it did not exactly endear me, although it's a wounded animal and of course I, or maybe sick or abandoned and I don't want it to die. But I think you could be a little bit more selective in how you describe it because I wasn't entirely sure what to picture, but what I was picturing was not something I would want to save from the gutter. But I especially love the description at the end, where the little creature grows scales and you can tell it's potentially a dragon. And yes, it was really great description. But yeah, I guess I would say just making sure to be consistent with that creature's descriptives, whatever, however you want it to be, because I know it's hard with something that doesn't, is just in the head, and nobody will picture it exactly the same way, which is also kind of neat. Yeah, I love the description, and especially the parts where she was, like, eating food. And I was like, this just seems so much like, I don't know, it really reminded me of the lifestyle of, like, I have some friends at VCU, uh, at college in Richmond, if anybody knows about that. And, yeah, it's just, she seems like exactly the kind of student that would have been friends with people that I knew going there. Like, just straight-up art student kind of vibe. Um, eating fake meat and... <laughs> forgetting to eat and having just a hectic schedule and everything seems very much um, on the nose. Thank you for sharing your story. It was great. I loved this story. I, I thought it was really well done. Kind of like Izzy, I really enjoy the long descriptions. You know, Lord of the Rings, excellent. So 
the the long descriptions at the beginning didn't really bother me as much either, especially since I think you use it really effectively to at least to get me to feel about the, the little 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 bebe. Uh, and I think that was one of the most compelling pieces that I found. One of the most compelling things that I found about your piece was that it made me feel. I, Yeah, just the way that you describe how Ren hears and responds to the creature's crying. Um, you, you set a great... You set us up well for it with the first page of, you know, she really likes fantasy creatures. Um, and then you really set it up well again when you describe her work and at the veterinary hospital and how she, you know, stays late because she's helping an animal. So it made sense to me that she would instantly go to help this creature, even though she doesn't really know what it is. And I, I found that very compelling. Uh, it warmed my little heart and, um, it, it made me want to, you know, reach out and help that animal too, just from the way you were describing it. Yeah. So I, I particularly enjoyed those interactions with her and, and the little animal and, you know, watching her care for it and start to develop this, you know, little friendship with, with this, this little bebe that by the end of the story is no longer a little bebe, which is, I think that was also a fun way to end it too. It's like, oh, it's huge now. Uh, and I like that. And it's still acting like a puppy, which sounds like it will be interesting to try to take care of in the future, but I like it. I would happily read the sequel to this story. So that, that is my glow. My grow, I think, is in some ways similar to what other people have said, but in some ways different. I didn't notice the pacing issue or the interiority as much, probably because I was thinking about the Chimera. But, um, I, and to be honest, I had a hard time finding something to, to make a grow comment about. I guess what I would say is, um, the last section, you know, right before she discovers the Great Dane Chimera, um, she mentions, uh, you know, she had a really crappy day, and one girl asked if I spoke English. And that made me think, wait, does Ren have an accent? Because throughout the story, it, I haven't been picturing her voice with any kind of indication that English is not her second language. So that threw me a little, um, just because of the way that her dialogue is written and her free and direct discourse was written. It, 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 it didn't feel off. So that, that was a bit of a surprise to hear that. And I, I don't really know what to do with that. Maybe you leave it as is. Maybe you, you try to... I don't know if you know Brian Jock's Redwall series, but he does a lot of accents um, with his critters. So you you could try to, to do that to you know adjust her voice to so that when the, that comment comes, the reader's not maybe or so totally surprised by it. Yeah, but again, like that's that's a small detail, and I don't real as you can tell from my, I don't really know if I have a recommendation uh, that's concrete. But it, it was it was just something about her character that I hadn't expected. But yeah, no, I I loved the story. I would happily read the sequel. So I wanted to quickly respond to what Julie said about the comment aimed towards Ren about not speaking English. It potentially may have come out of nowhere, but I also feel like I quickly understood it to be a microaggression. I haven't experienced too many, but certainly when I would bring sandwiches to school as a high schooler, junior high schooler, and elementary school, I would always bring my sandwiches on a pita bread, 
and people would make fun of that, you know, call me Peter Peter. And we've experienced a few different comments in my family. You know, my older brother was working on a house for Habitat for Humanity. He was working with these people who mentioned they were Christian. He also said that he was too, just to, you know, relate to these people. And they were like, yeah, no, but we're Christian. And he was like, okay, but like, so am I. Like, we're all Christian. And they were like, no, but we're Christian. We also have a story about my uncle going to a country club to sign up one day. He goes to the front desk and the person behind the, the desk asked him, oh, are you the landscaper? And my uncle was like, no, I was a potential country club member. And then he walked out. So I think that is what I understood that comment to be. And I think writing in an accent would be a disservice and it would make it so that this person offering the microaggression is correct, which they probably are not. So Ren clearly in this story, I would imagine, is more than fluent in English, is perfectly fine speaking it. It seems to be her first language. And I think this this comment made by this person is just another aspect of loneliness, of disconnection in her life. So I thought it was great, and that's about it. I really appreciated seeing that in your story. And I've, I've been thinking about, uh, there's a, a wonderful book called like A Swim in the Pond in the Rain by George Saunders. That That title is not like is not perfect word for word, but it's like, that's the, that's the approximate. And if you Google a swim in the pond and George Saunders, it will get you there. And he talks about like the, cause the short story is a very particular art form where it's like this to me read as a very, very, very good first chapter of a book rather than as a very, very, very good short story, but as a very good short story, there were fewer, ver- fewer varies uh, on that, uh, which is that like short stories, Everything, every single part and every single piece has to be built and sort of aimed at the heart and the goal of the short story. And the, like, uh, I can't remember what he called it. I believe he calls it the heart. Um, uh, and it's, like, the stuff with the roommates, I, I agree that the characterization was excellent and was very quick. I wasn't sure of the function within the short story. It didn't feel like it was pushing towards the heart and the goal of the short story. Whereas like when I read this as the first chapter of a novel, I'm like, Oh, we're introducing these characters who are intriguing and who seem to have their own lives um, and who are, and, and have their own thing going on. And I'm like, okay, that's interesting and good and good for, for a first chapter. But for the purposes of the short story, it felt like a little bit of a, like, like when I, when, when Ren's roommate came in, I can't remember their name, um, precisely. Um, but I, 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 I thought like, oh, they're going to find the, the creature, the dragon, the what have you. Um, and that's going to, to spur a conflict. Um, and they never did. And that, and it never like pivoted us away. So it's like again, it's sort of a like everything in this short story is good, and like again, the language is good. Like the flowing sentences at the end, like I don't wish to critique that as like it was bad, 
what it felt like to me is that not all of it, including the stuff with the roommates, was working towards the heart and the goal of the short story. It felt extraneous to the um, to the the perfectly engineered mach- uh, engineered machine that I see inside of the short story. Because um, a lot of the the pieces we've seen so far have been like introductory chapters, part ones, etc. Um, and I think that it's like important to note that this is a short story. And it's like, again, I, I agree with Julie, actually, which is that, like, if there's a sequel coming out to this, which heavily features uh, Ren's roommates uh, and, you know, describes more of the dragon, then, like, I think that, like, that is almost better than if this is just a standalone piece in which there are some extraneous bits. So, like, that's the sort of the, like, do you want to pair down or pair up with the story? Because I think it can go, it can go uh, either way really is you could you could very well drag this out and not drag this out but you could very well extend this that's a better word uh into a longer story or into a story with multiple parts or you could pare down some of the again very beautiful very well done pieces uh so that to have to create a, a tighter short story and that's like the 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 full extra director's cut version of what i was trying to say before yeah i think i mean I'm oh, sorry, Julie. Just to to echo what Andy's saying, um, one of the things that I mean, you open up with this lovely this um, passages about like her love of fairy tales and you know her parents getting her this this old book, and she seems like she has this really wonderful vivid imagination, and I think that kind of just drops away. Um, or at least like I forgot about it but I mean I'm also terrible with understanding characters and people but as I was reading I kind of almost forgot about that until closer towards the end and it's just reminding me of something one of my creative writing professors mentioned once which was just like I wrote this story basically about this person um, on a Quidditch team and there's like this event thing and the, the Quidditch team is kind of just a detail it's not important um and he was like no like push that like why is fantasy important to this person what does it say about how they relate to the character that they have conflict with um as the story progresses and i think just pushing like i would just offer you the same thing that my creative writing professor said and just like pushing ren's connection to fantasy to fairy tales a little bit more and that gets back to just the getting in her head part because, like, this is all really lovely. I I mean, the story, again, I loved it so much. I thought it was really great. And I think you just, if it pushed this idea of Ren's connection to fairy tales and her taking in this creature and her relationship to her roommates, like, a little bit more, um, I think it would be all the better for that. I do want to, as we're talking about this beginning passage, there are some things that I want to acknowledge about that. Um, there's a great attention to detail here. For example, the uh, you can figure out exactly how what age range this character's in because you know how old she was when she got the ter- the tome, fun word choice uh, for her seventh birthday, and then you know exactly uh, how long after that the story is taking place after 15 years. Um, so you can figure out the age of the character and to have it kind of close to connect the two to say this copy still rested in her room i think in a different house on a wooden shelf she hung herself beside a wilting monster and a beer glass full of pennies i think that does an amazing job 
in one sentence of setting up the uh, sort of emotional setting of this story that deep inside she's still the same person, but it's in a different house on a wooden shelf. She hung herself. The fact that she hung it herself, I feel like sort of indicates to me how she's on her own. She's, you know, doing things for herself. Um, and it's and something about the way that's phrased. It's not that, oh, she's an independent. It's more like she had to hang it herself. I don't know. Uh, especially when you put it next to beside a wilting monstera and a beer glass full of pennies kind of showing this like drudgery of adulthood. I think that 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 is really an amazing attention to detail and just setting the scene of the story. So I just wanted to acknowledge that. Seconded. Peter, you're going to have fun editing this because when Caitlin said tome, I, I said to myself, tome, the tome. That's such a great <laughs> word choice. Um, and I agree with Caitlin that uh, the way that we transition sm- so smoothly from seven-year-old Ren to 22-year-old Ren is just really well done. Um, that's very smooth. Was I going to say? Go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say, it's also a very relatable sort of, uh, especially for people who are interested in fantasy. When you're a kid, you have all this magic. And when you get older, you have to look a lot harder to find it. And I think that that beginning passage communicates that really well in here. We see someone who is having a really hard time finding any of it in her day-to-day life. And I think that's communicated really effectively, really quickly. Um, And I don't say quickly, like, over and done with. Don't need to just, like, as a reader, you're not spending a lot of time trying to figure out what's going on. It's clear what's going on, and you can start absorbing more parts of the story. Yeah, it's almost too real. Reminds me of my thankfully short-lived Star Wars is for kids phase. (laughs) Yeah, so I think the other thing that I, like, was very intrigued by at the end that I would like and that was very briefly referenced in a very clever, um, short way, but that I just wanted more of, was that the end makes reference to her love life, um, and to, uh, and that felt deeply connected with her sense of, like, um, uh, I guess I, I guess I'll use the the Marxist term alienation, um, even though that doesn't really apply to this situation. Um, but like uh, of of her alienation in in adult life, and it felt to me like that was and there was a earlier reference to her not having been slept next to anyone for a long time, um, and that to me felt like a very subtle like a, a, a an interesting subtle thing that I like that we adapted on at the end. And I was like, man, I wanted more of that in the middle of the story. I wanted more talks about like, or more, more of her thinking about like whatever this person was that she was in love with or like her various tribulations to do with that. And I'm like, yeah, that to me felt like a a very juicy bit that I really, really, really just wanted to see and hear more of. And that was the other thing that I'm like, man, I want more of this. Mm. Now I'm done. (laughs) Yeah, I would agree. I like, I mean, Part of it is that you don't want to tip your hand too early, so I understand not sharing too many details about her love life and some, you know, whoever the girl was, Alana, and we don't need to know the details of how things fell apart per se, but I think potentially just showing a little bit more details that could show us her view of her own self-worth and how it's been deeply affected by this relationship, because I think what surprised me the most about the ending was just, like, it was mostly her acting or responding to, like, the needs of the creature or the needs of her own body and eating. 
but we didn't get as much of like how she feels emotionally until the end just to uh, I guess signal like yeah she's not she's kind of not on an even keel right now but I did appreciate the beginning with the little looking for sprites and naiads and everything that was very fun and um I would say one thing you could potentially pare down or alter would be talking about going on the vacations. Just that one particular sentence, I think, where they went to like the Spanish countryside or the Scottish Highlands and she searched for creatures there. I think that could be made more impactful if it was a little bit more specific, like if she was in maybe one vacation location um, and was looking for a specific creature and it was expanded upon a little bit more versus two examples that don't really feel specific to her character at all and they're not talked about later so it's like just more information for the reader to absorb and it also made me think wait is she in England because that would be closer to Spain or is she still in Australia because you're also in Australia hello future editor Peter here I don't normally do this but a quick fact check Mel does not, in fact, live in Australia, so this story definitely takes place in the UK. Now back to the workshop. And I wasn't quite sure, but that was also just where my mind personally went. And I do think it would be neat to bring in like her maybe walking along the street and looking at a puddle and being like, I don't look for naiads in the puddles anymore, or something like that, just as a passing thought that she might have. But yeah, I definitely really loved, um, I had to look up what monster it was, but it's a plant. And yeah, I thought that whole sentence was really great too. So, okay. Uh, I agree with everything that has been said, but there is one random thing that, I don't know, I, I feel like this is probably sort of unpopular, but I felt like, I don't know, I thought maybe that I would like the ending better if I we didn't see the creature again but that was definitely just like my opinion um I thought it would have been I don't know an intro I, I, it would be it would be a different tone but I felt like it would have been kind of an interesting um way to end it like she's talking about um all of these problems that's that are happening and then she but she never gets that, you know, ending confirmation that the the creature is actually there. I don't know. I thought that would have been interesting. But, you know, that's completely an opinion. Also, another random thing. When I was reading this story, there was a bee in my room. And then I, I, I don't know, the line that said, it was like waiting for a spider to emerge from the cluttered corners of a room, her stomach rolling as she searched the shadowed corners for signs of life. That was, that was really relatable at that moment. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, does anyone else have anything they want to to say? I'm I'm so sorry. This is a silly like when you say it is the bee is gone in the group chat. Do you mean it's like dead gone or it's gone gone? <laughs> well, okay, so I it was yesterday and um I don't know. I so I went to sleep, you know, thinking, ah, the bee is probably still in my room and it's going to kill me. But <laughs> I don't know. I, I I couldn't find it anywhere. But now I came home and it's on my windowsill and it's dead. So I guess it's it's dead. I think. Sorry for that tangent, but I was, I was curious. Okay. 
So now is Nova the blooper or is the B story the blooper? I don't know. Um, but <laughs> Nova barked really loud for a second there. She like sprinted off. I'm I'm sitting with her. She like sprinted and she was like, Aah! I was like, oh, Jesus. But she's back. She's fine. Everything is fine. Andy. That's the B story for this episode. <laughs> okay. Andy, now um, you know what it's like to be a DM. Because <laughs> you're like, okay, guys, let's wrap this up. And we keep going, bees, dogs. Sorry, Mel. Sorry, Andy. I'll shut up now. <laughs> okay. Um, moving on to favorite lines. So everyone get your favorite line ready. Um, I need to go search for mine. So if anyone else wants to go first. Yeah, I'll, I'll go. Uh, for me, it was with the half light of the street lamps casting twisted shadows against the ruddy wood. She found the curve of a serpent, a wolf's sharp maw and an eyeless face looking back at her. That's from our good friend at page six. Mine is right from the beginning. She wanted to be where the shadows would take the form of goblins at the edge of her vision, to climb into the deepest parts of the forest and to discover a world of her own. I really relate to that line. Uh, little Caitlin very much just wanted to go exploring in the forest. So I really liked uh, when she was walking in the streets. Um, as I said, I really liked the streets. But um, she goes... Past the rowdy pubs and teenagers with shark eyes and daunt and gaunt cheeks who lurked in packs of flavored smoke. I don't know. I could really picture that. I've I've definitely walked past the, these groups of teenagers before. It was a very good line. My favorite line was actually surprisingly not about the chimera. It was right at the end of the story. It's either I think it's page ten or possibly the bottom of page nine. But it's when she's talking about her ex. And then says, but I wasn't good enough, I guess. And that made me feel for Ren, because that's, you know, like, it's sad. And that also reminded me of what I sometimes think about myself. Yeah, I almost had the same line as both Julie and Julianne, but I'm going to go with, um, and this is most of the paragraph, but I'm going to go with the part where she picks up the creature, because I, I think it really just speaks to the imagery that we've all been talking about. Um, so setting down her umbrella, she wrapped her hands in the jacket and reached inside the bin. She hoisted the creature out of its nest amongst the damp plastic bags and empty drinks containers. It let out an anguished wail as she pulled it into her arms, swaddling it in warmth the way she would a newborn pup. She tucked the parcel into the space between her jumper and peacoat, pulling it closed with one hand as she took up her umbrella in the other. So just, yeah, again, this is a really lovely story yeah my line is a little bit later after that she's arrived at home and is making herself a sandwich and her roommate is just coming in the door but as she stood there frozen in place with the mustard sliding out of the side of her sandwich and onto the concrete countertop she saw her housemate duck into the doorway so just i like ordinary i don't know why but when people write about describing ordinary things, I'm just like, this is better than real life. <laughs> well, except for concrete countertops, which sounds horrible, but you know, <laughs> I don't know. I just like that descriptiveness. Has everyone shared? Okay. Mel, if you would like, now is your time to respond. First off, 
but the countertops are concrete because I was like, Mother, what are our countertops made out of in the kitchen? And she was like, it looks like marble, but it's concrete that looks like marble. And I went, that's what's going in my story. Yeah, I mean, it was... It's really interesting that everyone chose like wildly different parts of the story that were their favourite line. That's fun. Um, yeah, it's um, Cambridge, England. I know there's a Cambridge literally everywhere because of colonialism, but I am glad that everyone liked it. And yeah, the pacing was off because I literally had a moment where I was like, I'm like six pages in. And we've only just got to the bit that was, like, the thing I thought of when I thought of writing this story. Oh no, I have to get through three more days of this. And I tried to pack everything in. It very much followed the, this is exactly the maximum number of words that I can put. Because I used to do that on essays. It would be like, you can have 2,000 words, but that really means you can have 2,200 so I wrote 2,200 words. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I did the full 10 pages and then I was like, it feels like the ending is really rushed because I couldn't fit anything else in. Also, so the bit about her, someone being like, do you speak English? It, it really wasn't actually stated because there was no room to shove it in anywhere. Um, but I thought of one when we were going through that. Because it was what Izzy said about, um, sorry, there was a lot of words, but it was the thing about how the, um, the holidays weren't like, and the animal on the holiday wasn't strictly relevant to her character. So I was like, if I made it like a, a family trip to like see her like relatives in a different country, then that would obviously make it more clear. Um, it was supposed to be the, f the microaggressions put together with someone thinking that she doesn't speak English and then someone else thinking that she's like promiscuous was supposed to create like this picture of like her just like being faced with like anti-Asian hate but in microaggression form but I never said that she was Asian and I never like put anything on that because there was nowhere to slot it in and yeah, it was a dragon because we had to write about a dragon. And I don't know if you guys can tell us, but I don't write fantasy anymore. Um, I write just stories about gay people. So I was like, how am I going to put a dragon in a story about a gay person? But I did it. Um, so <laughs> it kind of makes no sense that she's like, oh, I love fantasy, but I'm not going to call this thing that is obviously a dragon a dragon because I didn't want it to be called a dragon. Um, and also, Bins, a especially in Cambridge, don't have open tops, but we don't have to think about that. Yeah, it's a dragon. It's supposed to look like a baby dragon, like kind of like an embryo. Everything's pink in an embryo. Probably not, but it's nice to think that. And then it like grow scales. But then I was like eight pages in and I was like, do things that have scales originally start off with skin and no scales? I don't think they do, but it's too late now because I've already written all that description. So we're just gonna go with it. I like I like writing descriptions. That's why most of the time in the workshops I'm like, you put more descriptions because it's the only thing I know how to do. 
<laughs> Thank you for listening to the episode. I hope that you enjoyed it. I really quickly wanted to shout out an amazing book that I just read called One Man Guy by Michael Barakiva. You may recognize that name as he is an author who we interviewed in season one of the podcast, and we interviewed him about his book, Hold My Hand, which is a sequel to the book called One Man Guy. So at the time Izzy and I read Hold My Hand, I expressed that I didn't really want to read the first book in that group of books because I didn't really care for Ethan that much. I loved all the Armenian culture and the conversations about being queer and being a member of the, the church in that community, but I didn't like Ethan. So it took me a while, but I finally caved and I read One Man Guy and I absolutely loved it. It's such a great book and I couldn't recommend it enough. I have never read a book that connected with me so much as a Greek person. And I really think that, pe I mean, people of all cultures will enjoy it. It's brilliantly written. It is so funny. It is so heartfelt. The characters are lovely. And Michael, the author, is just an amazing guy. So I really just wanted to shout that out. You all should pick up those two books, give them a read. I'll share links in the podcast description. And yeah, I hope you enjoyed. Again, if you want to check out exclusive episodes, you can find Determination, Deliberation, and Dragons on Patreon. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram. And remember, don't let the day drag on. Barking. No more barking. Good girl. Good girl.